Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Last chance Boston qualifier tips. September is almost here, and that means that the Boston Marathon registration is almost here and will open soon. The next few weeks will be the last chance for anyone to qualify for the 2021 Boston Marathon. As a result, there are many athletes around the U.S. and the world who are gearing up for these last chance races. And this year, it's a little bit different because a lot of the races have been canceled ever since March. Um, So there are a few last chance races that are still going on that we know of. And we know a lot of athletes are kind of gearing up to get that Boston qualifying time before the Boston registration window opens. We have seen a lot of success and we've also seen a lot of disappointment over the years around this topic because a lot of people put um, their cards kind of all on the table for this last chance race and you lay it all on the line um, and there really isn't another opportunity after this to qualify for the specific race of Boston 2021. Um, So we just wanted to kind of cover a little bit about this topic, what you need to know going into this weekend. If you are someone who's chasing that last chance BQ, maybe you're just tuning in to kind of get more information about what this is and why it's a last chance. Uh, Basically, you have an entire 12-month window to qualify for Boston. So it's not always a last chance. It's just, you know, these last... um, the beginning two weeks of September, end of August, there's a lot of last chance marathons that pop up. Um, And this year, even more so because there haven't been any races since March, really. Um, And now a few are popping up doing some uh, qualifying races like, we know, Fargo, um, Revel in Utah, those are opportunities for people to qualify for Boston who maybe had their race canceled earlier this year, like Grandma's Marathon or another race that they were planning to get a Boston qualifier at. Um, and it's a little bit different because they never had that opportunity in the first place earlier in the year. Um, but there's a lot of people, myself included, who already qualified for this race back in, uh, 2019 in the fall. So October of 2019, um, anyone who ran a BQ time then, that's that's a go. Um, you can use that time to register. But also, this year is really unique because the 2020 Boston Marathon was canceled. Um, it was moved completely virtually just because of COVID-19. Um, so initially, they postponed the race to September, and then they just opted to cancel. So even if you do the virtual Boston race, which you can start, I think, on September 7th, um, none of those times will count as a qualifier. So in order to be a Boston qualifying course, you have to have certain um, like certifications on the course and USATF kind of has to go out 
measure your course, make sure it's legit, all those sort of things. So in order to have a virtual race, it's not really possible that it would also be a Boston qualifier. So anyone who's participating in these virtual marathons, you can't use those times. Um, anyone who's doing a half marathon, you can never use a half marathon time, anything like that. It has to be a full marathon. And we've done um, a different podcast kind of going over exactly what times you'll have to hit to reach these Boston qualifying standards and everything. But what's unique about this year, given that Boston was canceled, every single person who was registered for Boston 2020, they basically lost their chance to run. So if you are registered, you aren't going to be able to have your opportunity to go out there. So Boston decided that they were going to allow anyone who qualified for the Boston 2020 marathon to reuse that time to register for Boston 2021. So this year, the window is a lot bigger. So if you have a qualifying time that maybe you didn't register for, um, let's say you ran California International Marathon into 2018, um, like I did, you can actually use that time as your Boston qualifier for this year. Um, this is super unique only to this year. So don't think that you can go back and use the time from, you know, 18 months ago in future years. Um, this year is the only year where they're actually allowing two different years of qualifying times to register for this race. So there might be some people who don't need to do a last chance Boston qualifier because if you ran um, a BQ time uh, after, you know, September 14th of 2018, all the way until, you know, all of this COVID-19 stuff happened, you're set, you're ready to go. Um, but for those of you who maybe were never in the shape to run the BQ time and then you were going to do it this summer um, and now you are doing it in the fall, you're someone who's going to be one of these last chance people who maybe are looking for some tips as to how to approach the race, um, what to do and all those things. So Jason, um, kicking off with you, have you ever done a last chance BQ personally? Um, when, when you qualified for Boston, all the times you've gone and qualified, um, kind of what was your approach? Was it more of like matter of fact, or did you kind of last chance it? How would you suggest someone plans out? Let's say you're listening and you're not going to do a last chance Boston. How would someone, what's the best way to plan out qualifying for the Boston marathon? If you have the whole year to kind of gauge, what would you do and what have you done in the past? Yeah. So personally, I haven't ever done like a last chance BQ or, you know, anything like that. I've, I've just, um, you know, I've ran a few marathons earlier in my running career when I jumped up to the marathon distance and I was fortunate to run qualifying times in those first few times. Um, and then, you know, as the years went on, my training wasn't, I would say up to the same level as it had been. So it, it became a little bit more difficult to run BQs. And, um, I, you know, I realized that I actually have to put in pretty good training cycles to run, to run a BQ. And, um, you know, at this point it's, it's one of those things. Like I was a person that I thought about running a marathon this fall, even to qualify for Boston in 2021, um, um, or potentially in 2022, just to have a qualifier. But you know, with, with everything that's ha transpired over the last six months, it's just like, for me, I just, I decided to focus on other things, but um, yeah, if you're someone who definitely wants to, you know, let's say your fitness has progressed, like Victoria said, and you're at the level now where you think you could be Q, um, yeah, go for it. I mean, even if you come up a little short, I, I still think it's great to get the experience. Um, you know, obviously what we know about running a BQ time is you need, you know, the, all the stars kind of need to be aligned where you need to have good weather, good course, um, you know, good competition. Your fitness needs to be 
be there. You can't be, you know, burnt out or injured or any of those things. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm sure a significant, significant amount of people will qualify, but like Victoria said, the, the buffer this year for next year might be tougher as tough as it's been ever, just because of all of the, um, the people that they're kind of grandfathering in from the past, like Victoria said from 2018 marathon time. So, um, you know, we don't know what the buffer is going to be, but it's, it's probably going to take quite a bit under your time to get in. But I think just, you know, approaching the BQ, um, you know, I've never done like a last chance BQ race, as I said, but I did back in college, I did last chance races, um, which were kind of like your last chance to get a qualifying time for the national meet. And I know that those are kind of high pressure situations, right? Especially if you've never gone to something like that before and your nerves are really running high. Um, but the biggest thing for me was just kind of being confident in where, where your fitness is. I think that's, that's the number one key. You need to be confident where your fitness is. Um, and just really approaching it like another race, um, and not overthinking things, um, having a race plan that you're going to stick to no matter what. So, you know, that's the number one thing. If you don't execute your pacing plan, chances aren't going to be very good for you. So you need to go out and execute. Um, and obviously your pacing plan is going to be, um, set up ahead of time based on the course and, and all those other factors. So, um, yeah, that's, those are some things that I would think about if you're wanting to run a BQ, last chance BQ. Um, some of the ones that Victoria mentioned, you know, where that Revel race, um, you know, at the time we're recording this, Jack and Jill Marathon is still on, Revel Big Cottonwood is still on, St. George, Des Moines, Springfield, those are still on. So hopefully we get some opportunities here um, to run some some BQ times. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's just really interesting, um, the whole concept of this last chance BQ. And this year might be a little bit different, but in years past, it just seems like this weekend and the these last couple of weeks, um, like you said, it is like a very high pressure and a lot of people are feeling that pressure and feeling like this is the last chance that they ever have to qualify for Boston. And it can be really emotional because people really have this goal um, in their head that they want and then just sometimes falling short um, because it is such a one high pressure, all your eggs are in one basket. Um, and kind of the reason why I was asking about your own personal Boston qualifying experience, which you very modestly explained. So, I mean, you've qualified in 2011, 12, um, 2013, 2015, 2016, you've qualified several times for Boston. And at least from my observation of all the times you qualified, it was more of, okay, I'm going to train for marathon and get in the best shape possible. And then based on how training went and based on where the fitness is at, that's how I'm going to develop my pacing plan. Um, and for each of your marathons, I felt like you were always in a little bit of different shape. No marathon training cycle ends exactly the same. Um, your first marathon, you know, I think your goal was, you know, a sub three and you achieved that. And then the next marathon, you know, you, you trained a little bit harder and you wanted to get to 245 and you got a 246. Um, but then you took some time off after a marathon and you trained again for one, but this time you didn't train the same level as you had the previous ones. And then you ran, you know, you said you wanted to just get a BQ, which at the time was a 305. Um, and you know, you ran 303. And so it's just, sometimes I think people think that it, there's this like linear progress that has to happen. And that if they just say before they even start their training cycle, oh, I want to be in, you know, three hour shape or like whatever shape, three, 330 shape, um, on race day. 
and they just kind of force the paces or they're not super honest with themselves about where their fitness really is um, the entire time and then they get to the end of that cycle. I think sometimes what can happen in these high pressure situations is people will go out too fast in the race Mm -hmm. or try to push um, a fitness level that maybe isn't 100% there or they try to bank time and doing all of these sort of strategies that maybe aren't, um, you know, in line with what the best practices would be if you were just talking from a performance standpoint. So they kind of go against, you know, the, oh, like this is what you're supposed to do for optimal performance because they're trying to nail this specific time. And I've seen this happen time and time again, not only with a Boston qualifier, but also with um, an OTQ. And I get it because when people are striving for a specific time, it can be really hard to like not do those sort of things. But it is really important, you know, even at the beginning of a race, um, you know, if your BQ pace isn't feeling great, um, it would almost be better for you to like back off that pace a little bit than to, you know, push it. And I think when you get in those high pressure situations, you're more likely to not listen to your body on race day. Um, On those first couple miles, you know, when you're still warming up and you're more likely to push the pace, which is going to end up in an even worse performance time um, at the end of the day if you're having like an off day. So I think, you know, there's a lot of factors there, but the biggest one being you can't expect miracles to happen on race day, right? So like if the fitness is there, you got to trust it 100%. But I think forcing a fitness level that isn't there to be there on race day is an unfair expectation on yourself. So just really asking yourself, like, am I ready for this? Um, Is this the time that like my training has indicated that I'm in or am I wishing for something to happen that just isn't a hundred percent like there yet. Um, which is a tough conversation to kind of have with yourself. Cause I know, you know, it's hard when you have time goals in your head and specifically, I've never had this like where it's Boston or bus kind of mentality, but I've had it with other time goals where I'm like, I absolutely have to run X time. And it just leads you to go out too fast. Um, you get too set on like specific goals and then, you know, you end up falling 10, 10 minutes off of what, you wanted to, and you actually feel worse at the finish because you're beating yourself up the whole time. You went out a little bit too fast, and who knows if you would have just listened to your body and paced correctly, I could have, you know, finished a lot closer to my goal time and felt good at the finish um, rather than, you know, blowing up or whatever might happen at the end of the race there. So I guess this is kind of like tangent, and I just wanted to kind of explain this in detail because I often do see people who maybe aren't ready for the BQ time, go out and and do that to themselves, um, which is really hard to go out and try to hammer a marathon if you're not in um, the exact shape to do so. So do you have any um, advice on that? Have you ever seen people try to do that or friends that maybe have done this um, regularly in the past that you know of? Um, What sort of advice would you give to someone who like really wants to BQ, um, but maybe like the fitness isn't 100% there, should they just go out and run the time anyways? Should they maybe wait? Um, what's the optimal advice for someone who really wants to get into Boston and to actually like run the race eventually? Yeah, I think that, you know, what you said is a hundred percent spot on. I've had athletes that I've coached. I've, I've even witnessed it from other friends, just people that go into races with these, with these expectations for time and it's BQ or bust. And I think that, you know, we get so wrapped up in the time, right? And like the, the splits and the pace that we need to run. And the, the focus for me, and it, it's always been this running a marathon. I, I really don't even like to look at the watch. I only look at it to make sure I'm not going too fast. Um, but I, I always visualize 
um, you know, in the weeks, especially the days leading up to, to the race, um, just how I want to feel at each part of the race. I think that's so important because if mentally you tell yourself you expect to feel a certain way at halfway and then again at like mile 18 and then at mile 20, um, you're more likely to do whatever it takes on race day to kind of assess how you're feeling and maybe back off or maybe get a little, you know, let's say you're feeling great. It's 15, 16 and the weather's colder than you thought it'd be. Then, then you can maybe pick it up a little. And so just really assessing how things are going during the race, making sure you're going into the race with your fueling plan and you're sticking to that. I think that that's almost more important than just as important as the pacing plan. Um, but going off a of feel and visualizing how you want to feel, especially at that mile 20 range and, you know, finishing strong. I think that's so important. I think a lot of the athletes that we've, um, you know, coached to BQ they're you know, if they're not a, a negative split, it's at least close, you know, to even splits. Um, it might be a slight positive and I think that that's okay. Again, that'll depend on the course. Um, and the elevation and all that, but setting yourself up to feel good, um, to finish strong, especially that last 10 K, um, cause you want to come through feeling in control and, uh, making sure that, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're mentally still committed to your goal because it's hard when we check out super early. Um, you know, and I've only really had one marathon race where, um, I checked out super early and it was, I guess it was at Boston the year it was super hot. And for me, it, it just turned into survival mode. I didn't really care about a time at that point. But um, again, my, my feeling plan wasn't, wasn't on point that day just because I, was, I felt like I didn't need it to be so perfect because I wasn't racing. But um, I think that it's really important to set yourself up to f- focus so much on the, the energy, the effort, um, how you're feeling and check in throughout the race and just kind of go off a of feel. Don't worry so much about, about the pace. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And one thing that really helped me um, for a while, I was stuck like in the 340s for marathon, which, you know, I was I was right there. And this was back in the time when um, the Boston qualifying time for me was a 335. And so like I was running 347, 345, 343. Um, and I was just really like hanging out just, you know, like 20 seconds, 15 seconds per mile slower than where I needed to be um, in the marathons. And really, you know, my training, if I look at what I did when I was running the three forties and then I just had like a total shift of mindset, um, going into the year 2014, I was like, that's it. Like it, it was like, I was just going to get in the best shape possible. Whereas before, you know, when I was stuck in the three forties, I would tell people, yeah, my goal is to qualify for Boston. That's my goal to qualify for Boston. Um, that was kind of like my badge that I wore like, yeah, I'm, I'm qualifying. I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, but when it came to training, like, I guess I wasn't really challenging myself, um, the way that I should have been if I really had that as a serious goal. So, you know, a lot of people think I can just run the miles. I can just kind of go through the motions. Um, and it's just going to show up, you know, on race day, you know, I'm, I'm in shape. I should be able to do it on paper, whatever. But if your workouts are not challenging you every single week and every single cycle and building on each other, um, the way that they need to be, you're just really never going to like reach your potential. And I know that sounds like tough to say, but as someone who like lived it, I think it's important to like put that out there and let people know that it's not just going to come together. Um, I was actually like, you know, when it comes to like speed and all that stuff, I had the same speed when I was running a 340 as I did when I um, ran that 16 minute marathon PR, ran 327, qualified for Boston for the first time with like an eight minute buffer. 
So the biggest shift there was that I um, changed how I was training. So instead of just going through the motions of, oh, you know, I did my 16 mile or 18 mile or at that, you know, at that 8.30, 8.45 pace, whatever, it was like, okay, I was going to do specific marathon workouts, which was a lot more threshold workouts, which I don't like doing, you know, like threshold workouts are very hard. So getting on in that uncomfortable threshold zone, making sure you're working on the right paces, getting used to running marathon pace for parts of your long run. Um, if that's something you haven't done, it's all about getting serious about your training. Um, and if you're not taking your training 100% seriously, you can't expect on race day that a miracle is going to happen. Cause I remember going into every single one of those races, um, back when I was in the three forties, I would say, yeah, I'm going to see, I'm going to try to qualify for Boston today. And like, just the pace wouldn't be there or like, I'd be like, oh, it just didn't come together, you know? And there was always kind of like an excuse. Whereas when I shifted my mindset and really started training specifically for, okay, I am going to run to my potential. It wasn't even about Boston anymore. It was about, I'm going to see what I can do in this marathon thing because I just feel like I have more to give. Um, so instead of obsessing over like, oh, I have to run a 12 pace. Cause that's what 335 is. It was like, what is my marathon pace? Can I get into even better shape? Um, and then when I got to the end of my training cycle, I kind of assessed like, where am I at? You know, and I was like, okay, I'm between like a 325, 330 um, fitness level. And so it, it was no longer all riding on like a 335, like, oh, I have to run a 12 pace. It was like, I had a totally different, you know, goal, mindset, focus in mind. It was, I'm going to run my race to my potential on that day. Um, and that's what it became about. It was no longer about Boston. It was no longer about like reaching someone else's standards for me. It was about achieving a vision that I had for myself about reaching my own standards and becoming the best version of myself and reaching my potential. Um, and that wasn't going to change if Boston standards changed or if I got rejected from the race or if I didn't hit the BQ. It was just about me on that day and focusing on myself. And so I think, you know, sometimes people can get really wrapped up in the, you know, wanting that label of Boston qualifier and wanting to share that accomplishment that they kind of lose sight of like why they're doing it and for what. And really it's, it's all about you. It's about the individual. It's about reaching your own personal potential and challenging yourself every single day in training and asking, what can I do today that's going to make me a better runner, you know, 12 weeks from now, 16 weeks from now into the future. It's not about, oh, like I'll go through the motions and then on race day, like this amazing accomplishment is going to happen. It's more about what you do in the training and how you transform your mindset and challenge yourself to really get to that next level. Because without looking within yourself every day, like, what am I slacking on? What do I need to be working on? And these things are hard things. It's like, maybe it means you're going to be foam rolling more. Maybe it means you have to take your strength training more seriously. Maybe it's a combination of doing all of these things, sleeping eight hours a night, um, having, you know, like a bedtime routine so that you do have time to unwind. Like any little thing that's part of the puzzle is part of your training and it's going to be part of your performance on race day. So I think that's just really important to kind of share that with people because I think oftentimes people, they think it's like this one time, one race, stars aligned performance, when in reality, it's all about all the work that you put um, into your training leading up to that day. And then what happens on race day is just the accumulation of um, all the confidence you've built, all the fitness that you have. Um, and it doesn't 
become such a high pressure situation anymore. It becomes something that you go just go into extremely confident um, and excited for. So I guess that's one way that I would recommend kind of switching, you know, the mindset there. But as we're talking about like a last chance BQ, I know you've kind of had those high pressure, high pressure racing situations in the past in college where, you know, you have to place a certain um, place in order to go to nationals or you have to get a certain time in order to go to conference, all those sort of things. So how do you deal with the pressure of putting all your eggs in one basket? And how do you think most people like will deal with that sort of pressure? If you've ever witnessed um, various personality types dealing with that sort of pressure, does it positively, negatively impact them? How does it work? Yeah, I think this is really going to depend on the person and their experience, right? Because a lot of a lot of the people that we're coaching probably don't have the the background that I had, where they were a competitive athlete in college, and so you had all these experiences um, and high pressure, you know, situations and racism, and so I think it's it's different because you maybe you haven't done anything like this before, where you've um, you know you've really put this this pressure on yourself to achieve a certain time, um, and so it's, it's going to be a first for a lot of people, or maybe it's like your second or third go around, right. At trying to attempt to BQ time. And so, um, I think that it's, it's really going to be about like Victoria said, being honest with yourself on like where your fitness is at, um, and not, you know, not shooting for unrealistic expectations. And if you go out and try to execute, you know, the best race plan, um, the best that's aligned to the, the fitness that you're in, the current shape that you're in, I think that you're setting yourself up for, you know, about as good as a day as, as you can ask for. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, you know, you learn through these experiences and the more, the more opportunities you get to do this, like, it's just going to make you, um, more well-rounded as a runner. You're going to be more confident. You're going to learn things from each, each situation, because I had races where, yeah, I met the goal, but I had a lot where I fell short or where I failed miserably. And so, um, you know, you're going to experience every, every type of outcome, I think. So, you know, they're not, it's not always going to be the, your A goal outcome that you want. Um, I didn't qualify for nationals, you know, until my senior year of college. So I had three or four years there of, of failed attempts where I, um, you know, I thought, I thought I, um, was going to maybe qualify in my time, um, on, on another year would have definitely got me in, but it ended up not getting in at the last minute. And I know we're going to probably talk about BQ times and buffers and all that. And so it's just something like you, the only thing you can control is, is, um, you know, what you can do, go out and execute your race. And then your time is going to, um, you know, depending on the year, it's going to, it may or may not get in. And so you can't look at that as a failure either. Like, um, I always just think about, um, you know, at the beginning of a cycle or whatever, and I look towards the, the A race or whatever, I, I have multiple goals, like most of us do, right? So we have like A goals, B goals, C goals or whatever. And um, for most people, I would think the BQ time is going to be the A goal, right? But just because you maybe achieved a B goal, that doesn't mean it was not a successful um, training cycle, right? You're like you're still, you still gain fitness, you still probably got some experience, um, your body's stronger. And so you're just going to you know, move on to the next training cycle and hopefully keep building and eventually you'll get there. No, that's some really good advice. And just listening to that um, and reflecting on, you know, the whole idea of a Boston qualifier, I think people think of it as like an achievement, you know, and a lot of the times throughout our lives, like we go through milestones and achievements, like, 
you ran in college and you know a lot of people do go to college and they graduate from college and I'm not saying that's an easy thing but I think that is one of those accomplishments that you have a lot of control over so you know you do the coursework you you know quote unquote put in the training you follow the plan that they lay out for you and you can graduate get that diploma in your hand um is it easy to get there absolutely not but it's it's more of like a guarantee like once you do all the work you can get that diploma on um graduation day and there's a lot of other um accomplishments kind of in our life i mean getting a job for example is also pretty similar like you know, you have the degree, you have experience, you just apply for jobs. Um, chances are you're, you're going to get one, all those sort of things. Whereas I think, you know, when it comes to a Boston qualifying time or any time we're talking about an athletic, um, achievement, you have to think it's like the human body and it's something that we aren't able to just 100% have control over all the time which can be really hard um, if we're so used to accomplishments where it's like if we just check all these boxes, eventually it's going to come together. Um, Where sometimes like our body just, for whatever reason, um, doesn't do what we want it to do on that specific day, even though we're in the shape, even though we put in so much work. Um, You know, the thing that I can relate to right now is like, you know, you go into birth hoping for it to go a certain way, Um, And you can prepare as much as you want. You can have a plan as much as you want. And a lot of the times it does go a variety of different ways. It can go exactly how you had planned it. um, Or it could go a completely different opposite direction. And I think it's just really important to remember that just because it doesn't go the way that you had envisioned it, you know, maybe on that first time, you have to understand that it's like your body and sometimes you don't have 100% control over it, which can be, you know, hard to accept at times, but just looking at other athletes like Olympians, you know, like they all go to the Olympics hoping for gold. And I'm sure that there are some times where, the person who is going to be, you know, everyone's favoring them as the gold medalist and they just have like an off day and they don't even place. Um, And you just have to think like the stakes are so high on them and how do they feel after, you know, they don't do exactly the performance that they thought they would have. Um, Everyone kind of goes through this. I don't think that there is someone out there that's immune from having, you know, a bad performance or not reaching what they thought their potential was on race day. So I think it's just really important to not um, take it personally as hard as that that is um, because you put in so much work, but just know that there are sometimes variables that are out of our control. And the biggest thing that you can do is be proud of the work that you put in and not put so much on that performance time because really it's not like a college degree where it's like you're trying to check a box. What you're trying to do with running is just to become a better athlete over the course of your life. You're trying to better yourself. It's it's more of like a hobby, right? So you have a lifetime to really reach these goals. Um, it's not like a, you have to do this in order to you know move on to the next level. Boston qualifiers should be something that like just helps to keep you motivated or to inspire you. It shouldn't be something that um, becomes like you know, such an identity thing where if you fall a little bit short and you don't hit the BQ time where you feel like a failure, because that's definitely not the case. And I've been some, been in races before where I didn't reach my goal. And it's just really important to know that that doesn't mean that 
you failed, right? So you have more opportunities, more chances. And if you don't get it in 2021, that's totally fine. Um, but putting all your eggs in one basket, like you said, it can just be kind of a high pressure pressure situation. So it's important to kind of let go of that pressure a little bit so that you can have, um, you know, a fresh, clear mind on racing and just remembering kind of why you're out there. So I guess with this year being a little bit different with all of the Boston qualifying times from fall of 2018 all the way through fall of 2020, um, being able to register for this race. What do you think the cutoff time is? And can you explain what the cutoff time is for people who don't know? Well, so do you, do you know what it was for this last year? The buffer was it like four minutes and something, I think. Does that sound right? Um, okay. Two or three. So you have to think that not all those people are going to re-register for Boston 2021, just because some people may, yeah, some people just may not feel comfortable going to races or, or they're pregnant or they had an uh, injury or surgery or a family change or a job change. So you have to know, you know, you have to think that probably about 80% maybe is, maybe that's even, um, we don't know. And so, you know, what we know is that there are, you know, it's a wider range of, of, of windows. Um, people have more than just a traditional, what is it? 18 months to qualify. Right. So, um, the buffer is probably going to be, you know, somewhere between like four to nine minutes. We, I mean, again, we don't know for sure, but it's, it's one of those things like, um, you know, when you, let's say you cross the line and you find out you BQ'd, um, you know, obviously that's, you met your goal and that's great. And if, if you're someone that comes out on the right side of that, where you get in that, that's great. But if you come out just a little short, um, you know, that's nothing you have control over. There's nothing you can do to go back and change it, but you at least, you know, are making strides towards, towards that goal. And I think that you're, you're definitely on the right track to continue to show improvements, make improvements, um, the next training cycle. So it's, it's one of those things like you're not going to know for a while after you run the race and that's okay. Um, I guess we, you know, you never, you're never really certain until you get the email from BAA saying you were, you were, um, accepted, but, um, and that's the thing, every year is going to be different, but like Victoria said, it's kind of the lifelong, um, hobby or sport or passion or activity that you're going to be, you know, challenging yourself to, to meet. And, um, if you come up a little short and you don't even hit the BQ mark, I still think that that, um, you know, is telling that you're, you know, you're, you're getting better. Hopefully that was at least a PR attempt for you. Um, or you might be like me where your PR is from many, many years ago. And your goal is just, you know, to get within like 20 minutes of that. And if you come up short, well, um, I think you're still in a better spot than you were probably five or six months ago. Yeah, that's a good point. And back to the whole buffer thing, it's so hard to know. And I get asked this question all the time as, you know, a run coach pretty much every year. People will ask, what do I think the cutoff is going to be? What's going to get accepted? What's not? Usually I can guess within, you know, a minute or two. Um, I always used to say, you know, it's best to have a five-minute buffer. Um, This year is a little bit different, like you said, with we just don't know, you know, who's going to be registering and who's not. So you have all of 2020 registrants, you have all of 2021 qualifiers. Um, This is pretty much like how I break it down. So you have a lot of people who qualified for both years, just regardless, with a large buffer. You have people like myself, I qualified with a 313 in 2018, and then I also qualified for the, the next year's race with a 323. Either way, I had a large buffer, but 
I'm seeing a lot of people will, are repeat qualifiers. Right. Like my friend Elena, like she's qualified for seven years in a row. Um, you know, just Patrick Cutter, Heather Schultz, like all these people on Instagram that I can think of who run it. Like every year, um, they are repeat qualifiers. They always have big buffers. They were going to be at the race regardless because they get these big, huge qualifiers. Um, then you get some people like maybe Coach Ben Jacobs, who is he only did the one qualifier way back when, um, two years ago, you know, so his time is getting old. Like a lot of these aging times or it's getting older. Um, so is he, so he's getting older too. Um, so some people don't have an interest in going to run a marathon two and a half, three years later, because maybe they have moved on from it. Um, like you said, maybe people got injured. Maybe they had kids, maybe they had surgery we don't know, you know, we haven't followed these people. We just don't know kind of what everyone's individual path is. But I would imagine, you know, there's a slew of people probably in there who are pregnant, having kids, those sort of things. And that maybe would be something that prevents them from re-registering or they just decide not to. Um, there's just so many factors that go into it. Uh, on top of everything. So it's just so much harder to predict this year, like how many qualifying times are out there. And of those qualifying times, how many will actually register for this race? And then you also have to think, there's probably a lot of people that aren't going to register at all because of all the COVID-19 stuff. Um, people don't want to travel. People don't want to go to big events. Um, so there's there's that factor as well. So we really don't know. I have had this conversation with maybe like one or two people um, I think, you know, if you have like a 10 minute buffer, that would be, you know, optimal. But at this point it's like, we, we have no idea that could get you in a flying colors or it could get you rejected. We don't know. Um, if I was going to register, I would try to just register with your fastest time if you have one. But like you were saying, if you cross the finish line and you have a 30 second buffer, you should be really excited about your accomplishment. Um, that was success for you on that day. Cause that was like your goal that you wanted to achieve. But at the same time, like, don't let Boston telling you, like, you're in or you're out of this race, um, like, change your feelings on how the race went for you that day. You should be proud of your accomplishments regardless. Um, eventually, you're going to get into Boston if you just continue on this path. Um, and just, it's not it's not the end of the world, especially this year. Um, it's going to be so different. Um, who gets in, who doesn't. Uh, and who knows, it might not even happen next year, right? So uh, there was probably a ton of people who were, you know, upset who didn't get into Boston 2020. Um, I know a few of them. And now it's it's kind of interesting because they're like, well, it didn't even happen, right? So you just have to know that everything in life is subject to change. So all you can do is like be present in that moment. And in that accomplishment, be proud um, of whatever, you know, your goal is that day and whatever you hit. Um, there's always a way to find the silver lining or, you know, maybe you didn't hit your A goal, but you hit your B or your C and that's success. So I guess how should someone define success um, on a weekend, like a last chance BQ, if they are racing a marathon, how would you define success? Yeah. I mean, when you approach the the race date, you kind of know in your mind based on how your training's gone, right? Like what, what are your, um, kind of what is your potential for running a time? I mean, obviously, it's it's probably easier in other years where you maybe did some lead-up races and stuff, right? But um, your workouts should indicate, and if you do work with a coach, hopefully your coach can help you identify like some um, potential um, t- time goals for you or based on where your fitness is at. Um, 
you know, just if you execute a smart racing plan. I think that that should be the number one thing that you focus on. And um, if you, you know, if, if you, maybe you think that your A goal is within about a five minute, five minutes from the BQ time. And I feel like I have a few athletes who are, who are super close, but they're not quite there yet. And I just think that another year or year and a half of training consistently and they get in the right race on the right course, they could do it. And so that's where I think like being really honest um, with yourself, but also, uh, you know, as a coach, we're helping athletes identify like based on their training, um, what really is an angle race. And we're not just going to stretch it because, oh, the qualifying time is here, but you're really, all your workouts indicate that you're here. Um, but we have had those athletes that do go out and surprise us. Right. And they, they pull this time out and it's crazy. And I think that for most of them, it's, it's done either with like a negative split or an even split. So I think setting yourself up to, um, you know, have that smart pacing plan is going to be the number one thing. And then, um, you know, depending on how experienced you are as a marathoner, we all know that each marathon is different, but you need to be feeling uh, mentally um, present and confident and, and engaged in the last 10K. Because if you get to mile 20 and you're starting to feel low energy or um, check, checked out, you're giving up on your goals, then it's not going to happen for you on that day. So I think that, um, you know, for me, I always train pretty much every run is almost a progression run, but that's how I, that's my mindset towards every run, almost every race is that I need to be feeling good, you know, at the 75% mark of, of that run or of that race. And so if you're used to training that way, I think that that can go a long way in the race. Um, and you know, at least visualizing that and committing to yourself that when, when the times do get tough there at the end, you're going to, um, you know, really rely on that grit because you know what it's going to take to get there and to meet your, your potential on that day. Yeah, those are some really good just racing advice in general. And I think a lot of people listening can kind of take, take some, some tips away from that. And I hope this was, you know, a useful podcast for anyone who's, you know, thinking about qualifying, maybe they're trying to qualify this weekend or they're just curious about this topic um it's definitely a lot of good tidbits of knowledge in here and i think a lot of people will take something from it um if you know their long-term goal is to be q definitely a lot of really good tips in here so i really appreciate you attacking me today and for everyone tuning in thanks for listening if you guys have any questions or you want to you know try a free seven-day trial of training you can visit our website www.runforprs.co fill out the form on our website and then we can get you set up right away actually on a seven-day free trial um all of our full-time coaches our Boston qualifiers. And so you're just going to be in really good hands if that is your goal. So we really hope to hear from you soon.